Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me. We're going to look at uh, several different passages of Scripture. We're going to be flipping around a lot of places in God's Word today. Uh, but we're going to start with the Lord's Prayer. Now, don't turn to the model prayer, uh, the Our Father which art in heaven. That's the, really, that's the disciples' prayer. I don't know how we've labeled that, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is really found in John 17. So that's where we're going to begin. And I want you to see this prayer that Jesus prayed um, to God the Father when he was really pouring his heart out to God. It's a wonderful prayer. I'm not going to unpack it all. We're not going to lean into chapter 17 and dig out all that's there. I just want to look at one verse and pull something out of it because I think it goes right along with the pathway to victory uh, that we're talking about, especially step number five okay we've been in this series now for what five or six weeks i think i did an introduction then we're going through each one of the steps and we're looking at these these steps this pathway to victory now it's, i believe it's kind of a twofold play on words there uh first of all it's 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 the pathway to a victorious christian life and god wants us to live in victory he wants us to live victoriously in Christ Jesus. But also, it's the pathway of the structure of Victory Church and how, how we do things. And it's the pathway that we want to encourage everyone to be walking down and, and different milestones, different steps that you should be taking. And it starts with worship, just coming into the building and worshiping God on Sunday morning. That's where it begins. We talked about that. The next one is, is fellowship. Where we're connecting one with another, that true koinonia is taking place. The next one we talked about was discipleship. And man, I love that message. I use that a lot in counseling. Uh, if you remember the discipleship message, how God always takes us three places. Listen, he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Hello? I mean, he, he wants us. The whole process of discipleship is, is, is conforming us and that transforming us into the, to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you look at the places where he took Jesus and, and guess what? He's going to take the, us there also. Well, what are the three places where he took our Lord? Remember, he took him to the garden, he took him to the desert, and he took him to what? The cross. And we're going to go to those three places as well. And you can hear that one on the podcast. I love that message. Uh, that's discipleship. That's growing in Christ Jesus. Then last week we talked about, and we tried to just give a visual experience, an illustration, if you will, of, of ministry and, and what it looks like when nobody serves and, and uh, how we really want everyone to, to find their place in serving in the local church. And, and I hope and pray you understand that, that I'm real strong about the local church. Uh, and the reason I am, because I believe the Bible is. I believe the Bible draws us back to the local assembly of believers. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, all through Scripture, it talks about gifts that God has given the church. 
Hello, in Ephesians 4, and then gifts that God has given individuals to serve together within the church. So I'm huge on the local church. Uh, I believe it's the greatest institution in the entire world. I believe there's, there's more important things that takes place in the body of Christ within local churches that are spread all across America and all around the world uh, than any other business that takes place anywhere else, whether it be the White House or, or the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Where's all the nations come together in New York City? What's... United Nations, yeah, that's, I almost said it, and it didn't even dawn on me what I was talking about. But I, I believe what, what takes place here in the body of Christ, in every Bible-believing local church that believes in having a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and focuses and centers on the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think what that body believer does is far more than important than any G10 conference or United Nations meeting or anything that takes place in the White House, I just don't want you to realize, I don't want you to think that the church is, is very insignificant because it is not. It is, it is profound what the body of Christ does and what our orders and our marching orders are. So I'm, I'm huge on the local church. So I think we need to find our ministry and our place to serve uh, within the body of Christ within the local church. Step number five, we're over on this wall now, on the far back coming this way, we've got two more that we're going to unpack. But step number five is to reach or it is evangelism. And, and this is very important. As we, are, as we are making our way down the pathway, as we are growing in Christ Jesus, as we are discovering what a victorious Christian life looks like, I want you to know it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really start or stop with connecting, with, with entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ, connecting with God, connecting with each other. You know, that's really only, only the beginning. And then we are to grow, we are to serve, and then we're, we're to be reaching and, and fulfilling the calling that God has on our life. So before I get into the, into the passage of Scripture in John 17, by the way, I'm going to be looking at verse 18. Uh, before, I, before I really get into that verse of Scripture... I want us to, uh, to go to the Lord in prayer, okay? I just want to pray that God will help me, uh, that God will open up our hearts, that he'll illuminate our minds, uh, that he'll open the scripture to us, he'll, he'll give us insight. Uh, I also want you to realize that, that this isn't just for everybody else. This is for us. This is for you. This is for me, okay? The word of God, when it's preached and delivered, you know, a lot of times we use the pitchfork theory, if it lands in our lap, we get a pitchfork and we pitch it over. And, oh, man, so-and-so needs that. And, and, man, it hits us. And, oh, man, I wish so-and-so was here. Uh, don't use that theory, okay? Don't, don't, don't receive God's word like that. Uh, don't think about how other people need God's word uh, when you're here listening to the word of God. Think about how you need it and how it can apply to your life. And, 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 I, and this is a prayer that I pray often, and I would encourage you to pray it. Um, ask God to convict you. Say, God, convict me. You know, thump me on the head if there's some areas in my life that I'm just screwing up. Hello? I mean, I need that, right? I mean, I need God to just thump me from time to time and say, boy, what are you doing? You know, I remember my mom used to do that when I was sitting in church. She had her arm around me, and I always thought it was because she loved me, but it really wasn't. It was so she could flip me on the ear. You, you, any guys ever experienced some of that? Uh, anyway, uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for our time together today and we thank you for the word of God and, and how we can dig into the scriptures and, and we can see what it is that, that you have in store for us and, and we could grow to be more like you. And Father, I pray now that, that you would lead and guide and direct us through the remainder of this service this morning. 
Father, it, it's great to fellowship one with another, and, uh, and I, I get encouraged every time I come, and I see the body of Christ just talking and fellowshipping and laughing and, and drinking coffee together and sharing life together, and, and God, that's, that's so important. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for the time we have to worship where we can come in here and just sing praises to you and, uh, and kind of get outside of ourselves for a moment and just focus on you, and, and God, I, I thank you for that. But Lord, now it comes now to the preaching and the teaching and the understanding of the Word of God. And, and I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our minds. I, I ask you right now that you would open our hearts and you would open our minds and you'd give us understanding. And, and, and Father, if there's, if there's anything in our life that is not pleasing to you, God, we pray that you would convict us. We ask you, dear God, that you would just move in our hearts and our lives and you would, you would reveal and expose areas in our life that you're not pleased with or maybe it's not even necessarily something we're doing maybe it's something we're not doing maybe it's uh, maybe it's a uh, an action uh, uh, maybe it's something we're not engaged in we should be in and father i pray you would convict us of that and, and and draw us to you we ask your blessings on our word today if there's anyone that here that that does not know you as their personal lord and savior my prayer is today that that they would receive you as their savior they'd realize the the ultimate sacrifice you paid on the cross and, and how you love us and you, you've redeemed us through your son Jesus. And, and I pray if there's one here today that, that doesn't know you as their personal savior, that today would be the day of salvation for them. Uh, they would ask you into their heart. For those believers that are here today, I pray you'd encourage us. Uh, I pray, God, you would motivate us. I pray you'd challenge us. I pray, dear God, you'd help us to get engaged in our mission in this world. We ask your blessings on our time together in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We're looking at step number five today, and, and step number five is evangelism. And a lot of times that's the big E word. That's the word that a lot of church members kind of stray away from, and they get intimidated by, and, and they say, oh, I'm just not so sure I can do that. I want to share with you today, and I want to show you today that we all can be involved in evangelism. And at the end of my message today, I'm going to share with you, remember I told you Wednesday evening? And by the way, I want to encourage everybody to come back on Wednesday nights. I'm preaching through the book of Jude. It's a wonderful little book. And we start at 7 o'clock on Wednesday evening, so everybody come back. But you remember this past Wednesday, I shared with you how I had something I'm going to put in your hand when you leave church today. Well, I'm going to, I am. I'm, I'm going to put it in your hand when you leave church today. But right now, I want to try to get it in your head. And then I'm going to put something in your hand. And I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit takes it from your head to your heart so you can put what I put in your hand into action. Hello? that make sense? All right, that, that's the goal. That's, that's the strategy for what I'm going to be doing here for the next 30 minutes or so. Uh, but today I want us to look at evangelism and how we engage in that and, and, and what that looks like in our world. I want you to look, and, and I'm going to start with a prayer that Jesus prayed. In John chapter 17, I know when we think about evangelism, we may go straight to the Great Commission. I believe there's one in each of the four Gospels. There's one in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to be there in a moment. But I think the place where, where it really starts is understand that, that this isn't just a, uh-oh, by the way, they crucified me, I'm going to heaven. You kind of finish it, take it up from here. This is God's plan from the very beginning. And I want you to see this, how, how Jesus was praying for us to be engaged in the mission that he's left us here on earth to do prior to, uh, uh, obviously, us even being born. But in John chapter 17 and verse 18, 
Look what he says, and I'm reading out the Holman Christian Standard Version of the Bible this morning, but then I want to read it out of the message paraphrase. You look at it in your verse of Scripture, your Bible, whatever translation you're carrying. And by the way, for those that use the Logo software system, uh, we have the, the Scripture uh, references there. You should be able to, to log in and, and get on our, our server here, get on our, what am I looking for, our presentation. And, and if you're using Logos, you can just click on these and they'll take you straight to the Scripture. But in John chapter 17, verse 18, I want you to look what the Lord said. He says, as you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. Now, this is the prayer of Jesus, and this is Jesus actually praying. These are the words that he's praying for his disciples, not just the 12, but all of those that would call on the name of Jesus as their personal Savior. I want you to know that he was praying for you prior to you ever being born, prior to you ever being a believer. He was praying for all believers. And look what he says in verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 18. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world, and then the rest of the scripture, you can see where he's really praying for us. But that's what I want you to see. We have a mission. He has sent us, just as God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world, Jesus now in turn has sent us as believers into the world to carry out the mission. I like to read the message paraphrase, primarily my devotional time. Uh, It's just a paraphrase of Scripture. Uh, I I don't really go there for for deep theological studies. Uh, It's just a a good summary, and I just like to read it uh, for just my devotion time. But I ran across it in the message paraphrase, and it says this. Jesus said, matter of fact, I think I may have it. Yeah, this is it on the screen for you. Let's all read this together. This is in the message paraphrase version, but it's the same, same verse. Let's read it together. In the same way that you continue a mission in the world, give them in the same way, God, that you have given me a mission in the world, give them a mission in the world. Now, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again today, and I'll probably say it many more times before I get to the grave, but I believe that every believer and every Christian needs two things in their life. If, if we profess Christ as our personal Savior, if we say that we are a born-again child of God, I believe there are at least, there's many things actually, but there are at least two things that every single one of us as believers in Christ need in our life. The first one is we all need a ministry in the church. Every single one of us need a ministry in the church, a place where we are serving. The second thing we need is a mission in the world. I tell you what, when you start getting these two things figured out in in your own personal life, you'll see that life really starts making more sense. Things start coming together. You'll see fulfillment start to be achieved in your life. And A lot of times we think, man, fulfillment's in a new house or or a new car or a new job or, or a new set of clothes. You get all these things. All those things are temporal, aren't they? I mean, they bring some satisfaction for a a season, but there's really no lasting fulfillment or satisfaction in those things. But here are two areas in my own personal life that I have found lasting satisfaction and fulfillment. Number one is when I find my place to serve in the body of Christ, when I find my ministry in the church. And man, it's something that really excites me. It's something that revs my engines. It's something that gets me motivated. It's something that gets me out of bed every morning. Man, I am engaged in that body of believers. I have found my ministry, my place in church. There's tremendous fulfillment and satisfaction in that, but I don't believe it is there. I believe the second thing we need is a mission in the world. 
I mean, we can't come in here, and although we had a wonderful time last night, and man, I loved it. I, it was just a great time coming together, fellowshipping, laughing. They had the newlywed game up here, and we all learned a lot about, about Roy and Karen and, and how, you know, 20 years, and, and, and they still kind of just figuring some things out. And, and, and you know, and, and we learned the best way. We learned that when you get involved in evangelism, you may find your husband or you may find your wife. And we see that's how Jose and Cynthia, you know, how God brought them together. Uh, he looked at her and said, that girl needs Jesus. And he shared Christ with her and, and God brought them together. Next thing you know, they're, they're married. And, and so we discovered some things. And, and that's fun to get together. But guys, we, we, we can't just stay inwardly focused. We, we must realize that up and down... They did some research on this uh, this piece of property here years ago, and, and they, they, they put a strip out there, and they counted the numbers of cars that they go up and down this road, and the count was somewhere around 24,000 cars a day that run up and down this road right outside of our church. Can you believe that? Now, some of those may be repeats, some going and some coming, but the point is 24,000 cars a day, you know, and the number is bound to have gone up more since our church is coming here because I come in and out of there four or five times a day, right? You know, so I don't know how many real people there are there. 24,000 cars a day ride by this property, and those are souls. Those are people that need Christ. So my whole point is, it's great to have a ministry in the church, but it doesn't stop there. We must at the same time engage in a mission to the world, and we must be focused on those individuals that do not know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In John 20 and 21, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. See, Jesus is sending us. And in John 17, 18, he said, I have sent them into the world. Father, as you've given me a mission, I have given them a mission into the world. What is evangelism? Whenever we think about what evangelism, you know what evangelism is? Evangelism, write this down, and by the way, on the back of your bulletin, there's a place for you to take some notes, and I encourage you to jot a couple of these things down. Out beside evangelism, I just simply want you to write good news. I mean, it's really just the good news of what Christ has done in your heart and in your life. I mean, I, I believe it was D.L. Moody that said evangelism is simply just one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. I mean, I mean, it doesn't have to be really difficult. It doesn't have to be really hard. hard. We, we don't, you, know, you really don't have to, to memorize 47 verses of Scripture and 18 separate steps and all these different ways in order to be able to share. Just tell your story. Hello? Just share the good news. Just tell one beggar where, where you found the bread and tell them they can come find the very same bread. Now, I want to get to the, to the verse of Scripture that I really want to kind of unpack a little bit, and, and then I want to share with you a little bit of our strategy. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, turn there in your Bibles, if you will, please. The Bible says this, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's read that together. It's on the screen. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what I want to unpack briefly here. And then I want to share with you our strategy. And I want to share with you how we all can be involved in step number five of this pathway to victory by being involved in evangelism. Let's kind of break this verse down a little bit. And let's look at some highlights in this verse, first of all, I want you to notice what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. Where were they when he gave this marching order? In Jerusalem, okay? So what he's saying is, your evangelism is going to start at home. 
It's going to start in your town. It's going to start in your community. It's going to start in your circle of influence. It's going to start right there where you live. Your family members, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, those people that you interact with on a daily basis, your community, your town, that's where it's going to start, okay? So that is our Jerusalem. Now, everyone in here, and here's the thing I love about our church, where we are now, we are positioned more regionally now than what we were when we were just in Mascuda, and it's like we were in Mascuda, and that's kind of Mascuda, okay? But, but with the relocation that we have gone through and the moving of our church to this location on this main thoroughfare here and right off of the interstate, I mean, you could almost go five miles, draw a five-mile radius around this whole church, around this whole area, and, man, you hit all types of communities and towns in different areas. Do you realize because we are a regional church positioned in a regional location that your Jerusalem may look different than my Jerusalem? You understand that? I mean, where you live and where I live may be a little bit different. Where you go to the grocery store and where I go to the grocery store may be a little bit different. Where you go pick up your morning paper, your morning cup of coffee, and where I pick up my morning paper, which I don't, I use the internet, or pick up my cup of coffee may look a little bit different. The point is we, we have different Jerusalems, okay? But I want you to know that's where it begins for you, right? Where your Jerusalem is, that is where you're to start your evangelism process. And that's going to look different for all of us. And I'll share a little bit of our strategy in thinking that way here in just a moment. So that's our Jerusalem. Secondly, he says we're to go into Judea and Samaria. Now, what really is typified whenever Jesus gave the marching orders and he said, now I want you to go to Judea and Samaria. I mean, do you realize in that day when Jesus said, I want you to go focus on Samaria, what, what he was really saying? You've got to understand the Samaritans were a different breed altogether than the Jewish people. Okay? Matter of fact, they were kind of a, a mixed race of people. They were a different race of people. They were different culturally. They were different racially. And Jesus said, now I don't want you to stay just in your little hometown and focus on those people that are just like you. Okay, I want you to get the teaching here. What he's saying is, I want you to go to Judea. I want you to go to Samaria. In other words, I want you to build bridges. We as Christians are very good at building walls. Are we not? I mean, we're pretty good at building walls. Boop, boop, boop. That person, boop. You're in my, you're in my wall. You're in my wall. You're, oh, no. You are. Yes, you are. Yeah. Oh, no, no. You know, we're very selective who we allow inside our wall. Come on, you guys with me today? Man, I preach better when I know you're listening to me, okay? All right, don't make me do all the work up here. You come and work, work with me, okay? Let's, let's work together through this thing. But, but don't you think we could be far more effective in the area of evangelism if we would work on tearing down the barriers and tearing down the walls and start building bridges to those people that are different than us? I mean, I mean, sometimes we're, we're so judgmental and sometimes we look at people and we size them up and we go, oh man, stay away. Hey, that may be the very person that God has intentionally brought across your path to build a bridge with them. The, yes, they're different culturally. Yes, they're different maybe in, in their whole lifestyle. Yes, they're different with their race. But God says, hey, I want you to share Christ with them. I want you to share the gospel with them. I want you to build a bridge into their area. Now, that was huge for Jesus to say, go into Samaria. Because the Jewish people, they would take a day's journey. They wouldn't even walk through Samaria. They would go all the way around because they didn't want to become unclean or with those people. They just avoided them like they had the plague. And I've seen Christians do that. Guys, we can't do that. Hello? 
Are you with me? We cannot do that. So we must be intentional about building some bridges and tearing down some walls so we can reach those that are in our Samaria. And our Samaria are are going to be those people that are different different race, different culture, different background, different whatever in their life. They're just different than us, okay? Let me ask you, does Jesus love them? Sure. Did he die for them? Yeah. I mean, and we've got to reach them. Right? So we've got to build a bridge and reach those people that are culturally and racially different from us. We've got to reach into our Samaria. And then he says, to the ends of the earth. Well, that's just everybody else. I mean, as far as we can reach, we're to be reaching to help spread the gospel. Now, oftentimes that may mean that, you know, we may be able to go on a mission trip. Uh, we may be able to go on a team and go away and go to another country or do something for, you know, five or seven days or, or whatever the case may be. And we're hoping and we're already talking about trying to put some trips like that together so we all can be a part of that. And, and we're looking into that even now as we speak. But guys, you realize that, that if I can only do a mission trip once or twice or every two or three years or five years and I'm only going for five days, I'm really not doing a whole lot to reach the ends of the earth. So for most of us, other than packing up and moving your family, you know, 18,000 miles around the world and go to some other country or whatever, for most of us, that's going to mean that that we give, that we give to help send missionaries and to help support missionaries and and those that are going around the globe to share the gospel. And and it seems like more and more the globe is coming to us. and, And, you know, I believe that the United States of America is becoming one of the greatest mission fields in the entire world today. And and I'm amazed I see the revivals that are taking place over in Africa and other places around the world today. And we in America are just starving for the gospel and starving for for, for a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. And and how this is becoming more and more of a a tremendous mission field for us. But at the same time, we got to reach everybody. So that's how it breaks down. It's our hometown. You know, where I live, my circle of influence, my, my family, my friends, my coworkers, my neighbors, those I interact with, those I see on a, on a daily basis in and out of town. Then it's my Samaria, those that are different from me, those are, you know, different county, different state, different culture, different race, whatever. We've, we've got to reach out and we've got to build bridges and, and bring those into the body of Christ. And, and then all the way to the ends of the earth, we've got to be intentionally involved in helping spread the gospel all the way around the other world. Now, I want you to understand, that's not my strategy that's that's God's strategy hello I mean that's in the scripture okay that's just what he says now I think we can drill down and we can dig some things out of that let's look at one more thing though in this verse I think it's important we see look what he says you will be my what witnesses let's say it again you will be my one more time you will be my now let me ask you what are you to be a witness now let that sink in for just a moment what is a witness Listen, Jesus didn't say, and God didn't say, hey, I want you to be my defense attorney. Nor did he say, I want you to be my judge. Nor did he say, I want you to be the prosecuting attorney in this situation. He said, I just simply want you to be what? You tell me. My witness. So what does a witness do? Whenever you bring a witness on a stand, what are you you expecting to receive from this witness? They're going to tell you a couple things. They're going to tell you what they've seen. And they're going to tell you what they've heard. And they're going to tell you how they experienced it and kind of what, what took place. Guys, you realize that's what evangelism is? Sometimes I think we make this a lot harder than it really is. Sometimes I think we do, right? 
Evangelism is just simply being a witness. It's just telling those that do not know Christ what Christ has done for you, telling what you've seen, telling what you've heard, telling what you, what you got out of, your, out of your devotion this morning. Let me, let me share with you a, a word from the Lord today. And, and you just kind of just kind of talk in that manner and, and you just start sharing. You, you just become a, a witness. And, and you'll be amazed. And sometimes I think we get so structured in that. Just let it flow. You know, I do best in evangelism when, when, when it just kind of just flows. And we just kind of engage and we kind of just talk. And, you know, I, I've, I don't know how many times, how many people I have led to the Lord sitting at either Starbucks or, or, uh, or the St. Louis Bread Company or uh, where's Jen? Where's Jen? Is she in here? Or Dairy Queen after they've closed, sitting outside on the front patio. And just get a napkin out and just kind of just start drawing and just engage in small talk and conversation. Next thing you know, we're talking about cross and we're moving in that direction. And, and boom! You know, it's just actually just being a, a witness, just sharing what Christ has done for us. So I just want you to see it's really not that hard. So let's talk about, I want to share with you three thoughts real quickly about what our mission in the world looks like, and then I want to share with you the strategy of Victory Church, okay? Now, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on these three thoughts. I'm just going to hit them and go. The first one I may spend a little bit more time in. The next two I'm just going to hit and go because I think I've, you, you already understand this. Number one, jot this one down. If I'm going to complete the mission that God has given me, number one, I must share with those that are in my world, Okay? And that's the Jerusalem that I was talking about just a moment ago. There's a great passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 8 and verse number 39. The, and I think I may have it on the screen for you here. Luke 8 and verse number 39. And maybe I don't. I can't remember what I build when I build these slides. Luke 8, 39. I want you to look what the Bible says. Yeah, I do have it on there. Let's, let's look at this together. Part of it there may be cut out. You may have a hard time seeing there. But, but I want you to look what he says. He, he talks about this man that he's just healed. Okay, Jesus has just healed this man. Uh, he just worked a miracle in this individual's life. And I want you to look what he tells this guy. He says to him, go back where? Home. Where did he tell him to go? He didn't tell him to pack up his bags and, 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 and fly across the, the other side of the globe and, and to go on some missionary evangelistic trip. He said, where I want you to go is where? Talk to me. Go back. Go back home. He said, go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So that man went all over town telling how Jesus, or telling how much Jesus had done for him. The point, once again, I want you to just see, and I'm just going to kind of hit it in, in passing and go, we got to start at our Jerusalem. Go back home. Go back and tell your family. Go back and tell your friends. Go back and tell your neighbors. Go back and tell your coworkers. Go back and tell the clerk at the Casey's or the Moto Mart where you get your coffee. Go back where you get your gas and, and tell the clerk or tell, tell the person on the other side of the aisle. I mean, we all have... How many know people in your community that, that they've never sat in your living room? Um, you, you've never gone out to dinner with them but you may know their face, you may even know their name. You have small talk with them on a weekly basis because that's kind of where you're in and out doing business. How many have people like that in your life? Every single one of us. If we will think about it, we have, that's where we're to go. Jesus told this man, go back home and just tell them what God's done for you. That's our Jerusalem. I mean, our neighbors are where we function, where we go, where we work, what we do. That's where we must share. Number one, we must share with those that are in our world. I read some statistics because there, there are people that believe that, well, people just aren't interested in spiritual things today. You know what? I don't believe that's true. I, believe that, I really believe the tide has really turned over the last four or five years 
that people are very interested in hearing what the Scripture says. People are very interested in spiritual things, especially it seems like, you know, I, I think a lot of times persecution drives us to God, and we can see that the church spread in the early days because of persecution. Sometimes we've had it so easy in America, and, and we've really not been persecuted, and our, our bank accounts are doing good, and our our mutual funds and our investments, and they've all been doing good all these years. But, but you let everything t- turn for a worse, now people are like, hey, maybe I need to look to God, right? And, and that's kind of where I see where we are today in America, where people are thinking, oh, man, this thing may be crumbling. This thing may be falling down. Maybe I need to be, be aware of, of God and pay attention to some spiritual things. And I think that's where we are in our world today. I read some numbers this week when I'm thinking about how people say that just people aren't, aren't interested in spiritual things and it's so hard to do evangelism today. And, uh, you know, I, I believe quite the contrary. Matter of fact, and, and I read these numbers, in 2012, do you realize that in America alone, there are 313 million people, 313,914,040 people in America alone. Over 313 million people in America for the year 2012. That's a whole lot of people, right? I want you to get this. 16%, and this is current, 16% of Americans have no church home, no church affiliation whatsoever. That number looks like this. 50 million 226,246 people have no church affiliation whatsoever. Over 50 million people that just aren't connected with any church whatsoever in the United States alone. That's a whole lot of people, right? It gets better, and I hope this is a little bit interesting to you. And, and uh, you know, just let me share this. I don't know what's interesting to you. So I'm, I don't know what to share with you. I'm going to share with you what's interesting to me, and I hope what's interesting to me you find interesting yourself. So that's kind of how this kind of goes up here because I don't really know, all right? So I'm going to share with you what's interesting to me. Out of the 313 million people that live on this earth, or not this earth, on, in America, 50 million have no church affiliation whatsoever. Now get this next statistic. 80% of people in America today, and I'm talking about in America, of people in America today said that they would attend a church service if they were only invited. 80% of Americans today said that they would attend a church service if someone would simply invite them. Well, what does that number look like? Well, that number... No, wait a minute. Let Let me go back. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. This 80% of the people, it's 80% of the 16% that aren't in church. Okay? Are you tracking with me? Maybe I should have put it on the screen. I did put it on the screen. I told you, I can't remember. I build these slides. I can't remember what I build in these slides. 80% of Americans are waiting for an invitation to church. That number comes out to 40,180,997. Now, that 80% is of taken out of the 16% that have no church affiliation whatsoever, okay? Of that 16%, when polled, they said, I would go to church if someone would just ask me to go to church. Wow. Hello? That's 40 million people that are simply just waiting for an invitation. Can you believe that? But we have this preconceived notion and idea that people aren't interested in spiritual things. Oh, I can't ask them to go to church. They never go to church with me. 
Now, I can't ask them to come to Victor. They would, they would just never come. Don't prejudge people like that. I mean, over 40 million people that have no church affiliation whatsoever have said, yes, I would go to church if someone would just invite them or invite me to their church. Now, get this one also. They did a survey on all new church members in America over the past year. And I want you to get this number. Over 90% of all new church members in churches all across America today, when asked, how did you discover this church? They said, a friend invited me. 90% of all church members have made a connection with a church family because they have been invited by another believer to come to their church. Now, these numbers are profound if we could just get our arms around it. Okay, 16%, no church affiliation. That's over 50 million people. 80% of those, over 40 million, said, I would come if I was just invited. 90% of all brand new church members said, the reason that I have come to Christ, the reason I have come to this church, the reason I'm now a part of this church is because somebody took time to invite me to come. So here's the point. Over 40 million people are sitting there today just waiting for you and for me to invite them to a church service. Now, guys, that's not too hard to do. Come on, talk to me. Is it? That's not too hard for us to do just to engage in that. So that's the first point. I must share with those in my world. I'm just going to share. You know, the easiest thing I could do, and I believe it's in the realm of evangelism, is to invite them to church, right? So we all can do that. Number two, jot this one down. Not only must I share with those in my world, number two... I must dare to reach those beyond my world. And that's what we see when, when the Lord told us, he said, in Judea and Samaria. And I've already unpacked that and I've talked about that. Those beyond our world. I must dare to reach out to those that are different than me. Different race, different culture, different economic status, different social status. You know, I must dare to reach out to build a bridge with those individuals. In 1 Corinthians 9.22, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and so that Christ can save him. So we've got to find some common ground somewhere and be able to connect with folks and be able to share Christ with them. You know what, guys? Whenever you read the Bible, you'll see that, that Jesus always did this. I mean, he really reached beyond, way beyond those instead of just in the Jewish race, didn't he? I mean, you, you see him reaching out to the Samaritans. You see him reaching out to the pagans. You see him reaching out to the lepers. You, you see him reaching out to the homeless. You see him reaching out to those that are hungry. I mean, you see him reaching out to the outcast. I mean, I mean, he dared. He really dared to reach out beyond those instead of just in the religious area of where people thought he should. Matter of fact, I love this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 25, it's a reference there. Matthew 25, 35, I want you to highlight that. It's a great passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says. Jesus said this. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the disciples scratching their heads and man, guys, do you ever see Jesus like that? Do you ever see Jesus in prison? Do you ever see well, what's going on here? And Jesus said, As much as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it also unto me. You know, out of that passage of scripture, I get this little saying. You love Jesus as much as you love your brethren the least. The least 
Hello? I mean, those that are out there that are, that are homeless and, and sick and, and naked and need clothing and shelter and, 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 and whatever the outcast may be, he said, as you do unto them, you've done it unto me. We need to really pay attention to that passage of Scripture and reach out to those and dare to reach beyond our world. And if we all start doing this together, I promise you it will change the culture of our church. It will change the, it will change the impact on, on the entire region uh, that, that we reach through the body of Christ here at Victory Church if we would just dare to reach beyond our world. Thirdly, I want you to jot this one down. Not only must I share with those in my world, not only must I dare to reach beyond my world, but thirdly, and this is the uttermost parts of the earth, the end of the earth in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, I must care about the whole world. I must care about the entire world. I must watch the news with an eternal perspective. I must realize what's going on around the world and have some concern with what's taking place there because, folks, listen, souls are being weighed in the balance and people need the gospel of Jesus Christ and we must care about the entire world, okay? Now, let me ask you this. When Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, he said to his followers, followers, he said, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. Question, was he just talking to preachers? No. Was he just talking to missionaries? No. He's talking to every follower of Jesus Christ. He said, you must be concerned about the entire world. Hello? Let me just say this. I will, I'll, I'll go as far to say this. If you were not fishing for men, and by the way, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you are not fishers of men, then you're not following Jesus. Let me say that again. If you are not fishers of men, if you do not have eternal perspective whenever you see individuals and talk with them, if you are not at least given an invitation to church, if you are not sharing the gospel, if you are not being a witness for Christ, if you are not being fishers of men, then you're not following Jesus. You say, but I go to church every Sunday. You're not following Jesus. He said, follow me, I'll make you what? Tell me, church. What is that? That's a witness. I just sharing my faith, okay? Sharing what? Listen, I, I'm, and you don't have to be a theologian to do this. You don't have to memorize 18 verses and 14 steps and, and all. Just tell your story. We've all got a story. Every single one of us got a story. Tell what Jesus has done for you, right? Tell, tell, just go back and evaluate your life. And one of the things that we teach in class 401 is how, is how to share your testimony. And we take you back and, and, you, and we teach you and walk with you through how to write out your testimony. I wonder, have you ever written down your testimony? Have you ever looked back in your life and see what God has done in your life and written out your testimony? We all need to know what our story is. We need to write it out. We, we, so I can share it with someone. I tell you what, I mean, for years I wore a blue bracelet. I just changed it to put my favorite scripture verse on here. And if you see me sign things, you'll, you'll see I sign uh, with a cross and a greater than and a, and a little I and a less than sign because that's John 3.30 where, where John the Baptist said that he must increase, I must decrease. That's my life verse. That's what I, that's what I, that's what I want to happen in my life. I want him to increase and me to decrease in my life. But I tell you, and my wife has a Duke blue shirt on today. God did something to this old boy's heart at Duke University. And people ask me, why are you a Blue Devil fan? Well, I was a Tar Heel fan, Tommy. And, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was a Tar Heel fan prior to becoming a Duke fan. And I'm probably the only person in the world that my favorite team, number one, is Duke. And my number two team is the Carolina Tar Heels. You don't find that a whole lot around the world today. But the reason it's like that for me, and really, I can talk sports and get right into my story. Right? About what God did for us 
and how God convicted me. And I remember we were in that bell tower on the campus at Duke University and we're looking out over the campus that day and my wife had had radiation treatment that morning and her face was just burnt and charred from the radiation directly in her eye and the cancer that she had. And, and it's there that God convicted my heart. It's there that I realized, hey, I'm the reason that I really felt that. And I, you know, that you, you can argue that all you want to, but I really felt that I was the reason she was suffering because that was the one thing I could not provide for her and I almost had this, this huge ego and this sense of self-pride about all the things that I was providing for my wife. You know, look what I'm providing for you at a young age. And look at this house and car and ski boats and, and trucks and, and she was driving a brand new, uh, you know, tra- it was an 87, brand new 87. This was in 87, 86, 87. It was a T-top Trans Am. I mean, midnight blue, take the tops out, and man, you take off. And I, I put her in that. And there was a pride in me. Look what my wife's driving. I said, catch second, baby, when you go down the road. And she'd just kick it and, and, and just put it in drive and just kick it. And it'd take off and it burned the tires. And when it shifted in the second, it'd catch second and go. And I kid you not, hot rod. That was a nice car. But there was a sense of pride in me of look what I provided for my baby. And I would tell her, baby, you look good driving that car. And that's stuff I would tell her. And she did. Hello? Man, heads would pop and turn. And I was just, hey, that's my, that's my girl. That's my car. Things are going pretty good, you know. But there was this pride in me. And God had to crush it. And I tell you, he had to crush it. And I'm telling you, it's part of my story. And I could sit here and tell you my story forever. And it can go on and on. And I can really dig down into the details. But God had to crush the pride. Because, see, I could provide a nice ring on her finger. I could provide a nice home for her to live in. I could provide a nice car for her to drive. I could provide nice clothes for her to wear. But I could not provide for her health. And I remember calling the deacons in my church that I attended really on Sunday morning. At that time, we had Sunday night church. I never went back to church on Sunday night. I went on Sunday morning to kind of punch the ticket and check the box and do my spiritual thing. Like a lot of people do. I'm not saying you're doing that. I'm just saying it's what I did. Hello? We had, a, we had a competition ski boat, a ski nautique, inboard motor, 351 Windsor. We were part of a water ski club, and, and Debbie was my boat driver, and I ran the slalom courses and did stunts and jumps and pyramids and all different kind of things on water skis. And, and so guess where we were every Sunday? Man, as soon as, man, we had the boat hooked up to the truck. And as soon as they said amen, we were out the back door. We were gone to the lake, spent the whole Sunday on the lake, and that's where we were. I never went back to church on Sunday night. And I remember when I was driving a UPS truck, and you got to remember this is before cell phones, and I couldn't get a text message. There was no Facebook or no Eldon, no tweets and Twitter, <laughs> his story last night. You know, none of that stuff going on. And, and my wife had been rushed down to Durham, North Carolina, to Duke University that day because of the tumors that were growing out of her eye. And my supervisor knew that I that I stopped at this one place and ate lunch every day and he put in a phone call to that one place because he didn't know exactly where I was and this is before computers and, and the little electronic devices that UPS guys carried and we had, a, we had a clipboard, get this, we had a notepad, we had, we had a pen and, and we wrote down the tracking numbers and we had people sign it and we had a, get this, you know what a carbon copy we had a carbon copy in that thing. I mean, you, you try to do that when it's pouring down in the rain and, you know, you have to stick your clipboard in your pants and everything else and try. I mean, just, I'm just telling you, there's no way to get a hold of me. I told you I could get really detailed in this thing. I got to stop. They put in a call to me and said, hey, 
at the restaurant, your wife's been rushed down to Duke. They want you to go straight back to the terminal. Take your truck back. Somebody's going to finish your route. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? So I fly back as quick as I can. It's about a 35, 40-mile drive, about 30 miles, I guess, from where I was back to our terminal in Lenore, North Carolina. And I drove that truck just as as fast as I could, got it to the terminal, got in my truck, drove about another 25 miles or so back to Hickory area, North Carolina, Burke County there, Hildebrand, Eichert area, and and got in. And on the way, I stopped by, and I told one of the deacons. Actually, I called him before I left the terminal. And I said, hey, They've just rushed Debbie to Duke. He said, yeah, I already know. We're aware of what's going on. He said, he said, he said we're praying. I said, listen, I want to come to your house right now, and, and we've got to pray. And they said, okay, you get here. So I get there. The other deacons were there. We're at one of the deacons' house, and, and I walk in that deacon's house that, that evening or that early that afternoon, late that afternoon, and I said, guys, we've got to pray. And they said, yeah, we know. Debbie's down at Duke. They've rushed her down there. They're, they did the biopsies. They want her down there as quick as possible. I said, no, 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 no. This isn't about Debbie. This is about me. My life is not right. I can't even pray for my wife right now. I can provide all these other things, but I can't even pray and ask God to heal her because my life is not where it needs to be. And we knelt down. I'll never forget it. We knelt down right there, and I completely surrendered my life to Christ. And I said, God, whatever it is, I'm willing to do whatever. Had no idea he would call me into to pastoring a church. Had no idea he'd call me into planning or establishing, leading a church. It's just amazing how God's worked in my life. But that's a little bit of my story. And then, then I could get into the Word, and I could start praying, and I could really start calling on God because I had to get my life right and I repented of my sins and my shortcomings and said, God, I know this is all. You've got my attention now, God. You've got my attention. And my life hadn't been the same since. I mean, I mean you, and I could go on and tell you more. But the thing is, I said all that to say this. I want you to hear a little bit of my story. But you've got a story just as great. Every single one of us have a story. And I want you to share it. And if you don't know what your story is, then sit down with a pen and paper or computer or iPad, whatever. Sit down. And pray and spend some quiet time with you and God and know what your story is. Because I tell you what, the greatest evangelism strategy tool for me is just share my story. I've gone through all types of evangelistic training. I've gone through all the different evangelistic plans. Memorize this verse, ask this question, take this step. I've done all of that. None of them work for me like just telling my story. And you got a story. And we need to share it, okay? That's evangelism. And it starts at home. Just share your story. How powerful. I want to do, I want to stop right here and I want us to pray. And I want us to bow our heads. And I don't want the band or anybody to come because I'm not even done with this message. But I just want to stop right here and pray. And just feel led of the Lord to do this. And Number one. If you're not here today, or if you're here today and you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior, I've just told you a portion of my story. And I want you to know there's a God in heaven that loves you. And you may say, well, you don't understand what I've done. Listen, yeah, I probably do understand what you've done because I've probably done some of that myself. You, you just don't understand how mean I've been. No, I, I probably do because I was mean like that myself. <laughs> You just don't understand how filthy of a mouth I No, I probably do understand because I had that myself. You just don't, no, listen. There's none righteous. No, not 
one. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter even where you are today. The point is, you're here. You're hearing the gospel. And my prayer is right now that you'll open your heart and you'll receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He loves you. God sent his son to die on the cross for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. He's ascended right now to God the Father in heaven. There he's making intercession for you. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us and to draw us to his son, Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, right now, will you just simply say, God, I don't really know how to do all of this, but I know I need you. And I know that I've sinned. Pray a prayer something like this. I'm going to pray it for you and maybe just say ditto or say, God, me too, or just repeat it silently in your heart after me. Just pray something like this. Say, dear God, I know that I've sinned. And I pray, God, you would forgive me of my sins, that you would cleanse me, and that your son Jesus would come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And I just want to trust you as my God. I want to have a relationship with you today. And right now, I give you my heart, and I give you my life, and I just surrender myself to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fill me, that you would come into my life. I believe you're the sinless son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again victoriously. I believe that. And now I want to be able to spend eternity in heaven with you. I pray, God, you come into my life even now and make me your child. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.